My name is Caitlin, and I am Groups Director here at Infuse, but I'm up here this morning to share with you our final message in our sermon series, Thankful. Now, if you haven't had a chance to check out the past two messages in this series, I encourage you to do that on our Infuse app, our Facebook page, or our website, where you can hear Pastor Taylor tell us more about gratitude and how that impacts our day-to-day lives, our attitude. And he also touches a lot on ingratitudes, right? He talks about this gratitude circle where there's an action that we complete the circle with saying thanks or showing our appreciation with gratitude. But like he said last week, I think that most of us in this room, or most of us watching online today, are probably pretty good at saying thank you by now in our lives, I would imagine, or at least saying thanks, or at least we do that nice Midwestern nod and wave in the parking lot, right, when we let someone, when someone lets us go in front of them. I think we can show appreciation. We can complete that gratitude circle. But I don't think that that means we're always thankful, right? Just because we say thanks, I don't think we're always thankful. Now, before I get too far, some of you may have missed your funny video in the beginning that Pastor Taylor always plays, and I didn't forget about it. I've actually included it here in the message because it's one of my favorite viral videos, but it's really short. It's only seven seconds long, so you're going to want to make sure that you are tuned in, if for nothing else, for the funny video today, okay? So let's check it out real quick here. So that three-year-old just received a gift of an avocado, okay? And did you hear what came out of his mouth? A pretty genuine thank you, right? Let's hear it one more time in case you missed it at home. Tune in quick. You guys are going to hear that little voice in your head for the rest of the day, and I love it so much. It makes me smile every time. But his parents literally wrapped household items for him to open, like an oven mitt, they said, and a spatula, and the third one was an avocado, and they were practicing saying thank you for his upcoming third birthday. Now, a lot of us can probably relate to this because our parents nudged us to say thank you, right? Um, Or we tell our kids that all the time, to say thank you for all the gifts that they give and get, and that's good. It's good to say thanks and be polite, but just because we say thank you outwardly doesn't mean we feel it inwardly, right? We're pretty good actors as humans. So for today's message, I have coined a new term that you guys are all going to learn to love today, and that is avocado grateful, where we can be outwardly, we can show our thanks, but not feel it inwardly. Now, have you ever experienced this? Maybe for you, this is um, when someone tries to show their appreciation to you by cooking you dinner or giving, making you breakfast. Someone you love does that for you, but deep down, you know that you're going to be the one that cleans it up afterwards, and so you're feeling a little avocado grateful about it, okay? Or maybe for you, it's that gift that you open, and then you're like kind of looking for the gift receipt to come with it, right? Or a handmade gift, a handmade sweater. We love those. We say thank you, but then internally, we're trying to like find a spot in our house to store it or home to re-gift it to. Um, Or maybe it's at work for some of you, where your boss 
says they really appreciate all those hours you've been putting in, all of that hard work. And to show their appreciation, they are going to throw you a pizza party for lunch, right? And you're grateful, you're excited about the pizza, but maybe you wish they would have done a little more, maybe had a conversation with you about those long hours to really show that they're going to do something about it, right? We can feel grateful, but not on the inside. We can outwardly say things, but not feel it inwardly. But I'm not up here to shame you for those feelings today, not at all, because I think it's okay. I think it's okay because we don't have to be equally grateful for everything. We're all uniquely wired and made to have preferences on how we receive gifts, right? We each are unique in that way. And when we have our preferred way to be shown things, if that's the preferred action to start that gratitude circle, then we're gonna end up feeling a lot more genuinely grateful and a lot less avocado grateful in the end, right? Now, to give you a little context to this idea of having a preferred way to be shown thanks, I'm gonna reference my good friend Gary Chapman. We're not really good friends, but I've listened to his audiobook, so I feel like we could be. And he is the author of The Five Love Languages, right? So if you aren't familiar with The Five Love Languages, you can check it out, Google it. Um, it's not just a book for married couples. They actually have books on like parenting and kids and for singles. There's so many copies of this book out there. But the whole context of the five love languages is five ways that we prefer to be shown love or to receive love from others, okay? So as we go through these today, I want you to try to identify which one of these you can relate to most or maybe who those people are in your life that you wanna show appreciation to this season and kind of narrow down what you think their love language might be, their preferred way to be shown thanks. So let's check it out here. We've got our list of five and we start off with words of affirmation. So if this is your preferred way to be shown thanks, you are going to really appreciate the words that come out of someone's mouth. A simple thank you can still mean a lot to you, right? Just someone going out of their way to say good job or thanks. Our next one is acts of service. So you're kind of the opposite of words of affirmation if you're this one. You would um, prefer that actions speak louder than words. So you would prefer to have someone take something off of your to-do list, run an errand, make dinner, that kind of thing. Our next one is receiving gifts. So if this is your preferred way to be shown thanks, you're the ones that are genuinely grateful for those handmade sweaters because gifts, big or small, that is your preference. Our next one is quality time. So you enjoy when someone takes time out of their day to engage in a conversation with you, to um, go on a trip or an experience together. That means a lot to you. And our last one is physical touch. Now, I think you know if you fall into this category, if during 2020, you were just dying for that hug. You were the one at home just like, that was what was killing you, was that you couldn't hug your coworkers or your friends or those that you love, right? Because that's your preferred way to be shown appreciation. And to self-proclaim from the stage, I'm not a hugger. This is not my love language. So if you try to hug me, it could get a little awkward. I don't know. but. We all have these preferences. And think of how that can impact your relationship with those you love. 
right? If you are being shown thanks in your preferred way, you're probably going to feel a lot more grateful. And in turn, you're going to want to show your thanks to them. It keeps this circle of gratitude going in the best way and can really transform relationships. So then I began to think, if it can do that for our human relationships, can it also do that for our relationship with God, right? If he gave us all of these unique love languages, then he probably has a preferred love language himself, I would imagine, maybe, right? So I asked the question, what is God's love language? We, if you have been a believer for a long time, maybe God's been a regular part of your life for a while, or maybe you're just exploring faith, trying to get to know him, or you want to know him more, then I think it does us good to ask this question, to ask ourselves, what can we do that's gonna genuinely show our thanks to God? Not just outwardly with our words, we're pretty good at that sometimes, but inwardly, what can we do to show our thanks to God? What is his preferred way to be shown thanks. So as I pondered this question, um, I went back to that list of five things, right? And I felt like I could probably rule off physical touch. I don't know, I could be completely wrong, but I'm just gonna take a wild guess that that's not God's love language. So I crossed that one off. But the remaining four, I, I felt like they could all fit. I'm not really sure which one God would prefer. And so I decided to turn to the place where we learn the most that we know about God, about Jesus, right? And that's in the story of the Bible. And I specifically went into the New Testament because that's where God sent his son, Jesus, to earth. And that's where we learned a lot about God, right? By the actions that Jesus did, the things that he said during his time on earth. And so that's where we're gonna turn today. And when we do so, you, if you flip open your Bibles, you're going to flip through Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Those are the first three books of the New Testament. Um, or on your Bible app if you're scroll, scrolling through. That's how you know you hit the Old Testament. Um, and those first three books are, are all accounts of Jesus' life through the perspective of Matthew, Mark, and Luke. But um, they all give similar kind of similar stories with different perspectives. But then we get to John. He's the next one. That's where we're going to be today. And I chose John because John's gospel is about 90% unique from those other ones. He's a little different because he chose to focus on the identity of Jesus, of who Jesus is, instead of on the parables or speeches or miracles like a lot of the other guys did. And so we're going to jump into John in chapter 14, where Jesus is gathered with his disciples, and they're about to partake in a Passover meal together. Now, this isn't just any Passover meal, because it's during this meal that Jesus tells them that he's leaving them, right? I mean, they've been following him for a while. They're pretty good friends. Now he's breaking this news to them that he's actually going to go. They think he's the savior of the world, but he's like, I, I'm out of here. And so they do what any of us would probably do, and they begin to panic a little. They feel upset and hurt, and they're grieving a little bit over this concept. And so in chapter 14, Jesus is trying to comfort them a little bit. He's giving them some ways that they can connect with him better, even when he's not here physically, ways that they can show their love to him. So I feel like we get a few really good clues into what God's love languages through 
this, these passages. Now, if I use the terms God and Jesus a little interchangeably today, just know that they're kind of the same person. I'm gonna save that for Pastor Taylor to get into. He can give us like a master class on that some other time, right? But um, if you hear those, we're really just trying to answer this question, what is God's love language? And we're doing that through the words of Jesus in John. So in chapter 14, verse 15, he says, if you love me, keep my commands. Pretty plain and simple, right? If you love me, keep my commands. I think this is our first clue on our journey to figuring out what God's love language is. Now, Jesus is a smart guy and he knows how the human brain works. He knows that if we're gonna remember something, he needs to tell us at least three times, right? This probably applies in your household too. If you're gonna tell your kids not to forget something, you're gonna say, don't forget your lunchbox three times before they leave the house because you're just praying that one of those times sticks and they don't forget, right? Jesus does that same thing for us here in this speech that he's giving because right after verse 15, he goes into verse 21 and says, whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. The one who loves me will be loved by my Father and I too will love them and show myself to them. So he says it again, whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. Now he doesn't stop there, like I said, he repeats it again in verse 23 and he says, anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My Father will love them and will come to them and make our home with them. So three times now, I think he's trying to tell us what his love language is. But I don't think that God's love language is on that list of Gary Chapman's five things. Sorry, Gary, but I just don't think it is. I think instead that God is trying to tell us that his love language is obedience. Obedience to his commands. So I can end it there, right? Because we answered our question. Taylor told me to keep today short so we can just move and groove. We're done, right? We got it. Well, for the most part, but even though we know we're supposed to be obedient to his commands, what commands do we need to be obedient to? If you're familiar with church or the Bible, even just a little bit, you may have heard um, of a lot of rules that God gave. Right, And he gave a lot of those in the Old Testament, the beginning part of the Bible, um, of different ways to live, different things to not eat and eat, and ways to dress and do your hair. There's lots of things, lots of commands within the story of the Bible. And God gave all of those commands for good reasons. He had a purpose behind them at the time for those people, whether to keep them safe or set them apart from others. But I don't think that those are the commands that Jesus is talking about when he is speaking to us here in John. I think instead that he is telling us about a new command that he gave during his time on earth. And he did this, we can see this in um, Matthew's account of Jesus's life. And a teacher comes up to Jesus and asks, what's the greatest command of all time? Because humans, we just need it lumped down to one thing, right? We don't need all these rules, we need to focus in what's the one thing that you want us to do so we can remember it and obey, okay? So he, Jesus does that for us in Matthew chapter 22. In verse 36, 
And he says, they ask him, teacher, what is the greatest commandment in the law? And Jesus replies and he says, love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your mind. He goes on to say that this is the first and greatest command. And the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. And all the law and all the prophets hang on these two commandments, right? So he lumps it down for us. He cuts it down to these two things that we're supposed to do, love God and love others. I think these are the commands that God is asking us to obey, that's what he wants out of his love language, the way we can show him our gratitude. But, I mean, he's not asking for a lot, right? Just all of your heart and all of your mind and all of your soul, just a little bit, that's all, just a little bit. It can feel a little bit overwhelming to think about, to think about giving that much to God, especially if you're in that stage of exploring your faith or wanting to learn more about him. You're just getting used to the idea of God and Jesus and now he's asking for all of your mind. It sounds a little creepy if I'm being honest, right? But I hope that what I'm about to say next can help make some sense out of that because I do think it makes sense. He does this for a reason. And hopefully it makes it sound a little less creepy for you too because during that speech, on his final night with his disciples, with his friends, before he was crucified on the cross, before he left them, when he said, if you love me, he didn't say, if you love me, you will um, worship me forever, right? So if we go to the next slide, we can see that if you love me, he didn't say, if you love me, you will give to me financially. He didn't say, if you love me, you will serve regularly in the church. He didn't say, if you love me, you will read and know your Bible daily. He didn't say those things. Are all of those things good? Yes, right? Are all of those things probably received as good from God? Yes, I would think they would be. But if we're doing all of those things, but we're not doing the primary thing of loving God inwardly, with all of our heart and all of our mind and all of our soul, then I think he's left feeling a little avocado grateful. Because if we're doing, if we're putting God at the center of our lives, at the center of our decisions, then all of those other things that I listed there are gonna come as natural consequences to that. If we are loving God with all of our heart and all of our mind and all of our soul, then we are going to naturally want to give and be generous to him, to show our appreciation. We're gonna naturally want to worship him. We're gonna naturally want to read our Bible because we're interested and we want to learn more about him. We're gonna naturally want to serve in church and other places because we wanna show that love to others. So I think that although he's asking for a lot here, that there's a good reason behind it. I also think that he doesn't do this out of any kind of selfish desire. God isn't asking for all of us, all of our hearts, minds, and souls because he needs it. He's asking for that because he loves us so much 
that he doesn't want us to miss a single piece of that. He doesn't want a single piece of our heart, our mind, or our soul to miss out on the love and the joy and the freedom that can come from knowing him. But I am not up here to tell you guys all of this like it's easy, because it's not. It's not easy to be obedient to God in this way. And I know that any kind of journey like this to obedience, any, the faith journey in itself, um, it takes time. I don't have it all figured out. Pastor Taylor doesn't have it all figured out. But it does take time. And in time, I think we can learn this concept of obedience that we can grow closer to God on this journey through obedience to him. But it's much easier to be avocado grateful with God. Or maybe a little more of an avocado Christian, right? Where outwardly we are showing our thanks or saying thanks to God, um, highlighting our life in our Facebook posts saying, um, hashtag God is good, hashtag blessed. And we're telling him thanks or proclaiming our faith to others outwardly but not living so inwardly, right? That we continue to behind the scenes gossip about that coworker or cuss out those we disagree with on Facebook or even in our families, or we continue to cross that line that we know we probably shouldn't cross, right? We can be avocado Christian sometimes. And I'm not saying that we're trying to aim for complete perfection because we can't. That's not the standard that we're going for here. But we can in an attempt to show God our gratefulness, right? To show him how thankful we are for all that he's done for us. I think we're called to do more than just outwardly say thanks. We're called to be obedient and loving God and loving others from the inside out. Now, obedience to his commands can look like a lot of different things. But I think it looks like setting aside our selfish wants and needs and desires. And asking ourselves instead, is this loving to God? Is this loving to others? And if not, obedience is stopping, turning away from that, and asking for forgiveness. Obedience is listening to what God is calling you to do. Now I don't mean that his physical voice will speak to you, although for some of you that may be true, but I'm talking more about that tinge you get in your heart or that ache you get in your gut. God speaks to you through those emotions and he's probably calling you towards something, but that thing is oftentimes awkward difficult, challenging to say the least, right? Maybe you can think about what that is in your life right now. But that's where we need to put our selfish wants and needs and desires to the side and be obedient. Because in this step of being obedient, it will lead us into a life closer to knowing him and more filled with genuine gratitude towards him and towards others that we love. Now, we don't have to wait until next month or next year or next week for that matter to put this into play. 
We can take the first step on this road of obedience today, right now. Because we are going to get an opportunity shortly to take communion together. And in taking communion, we can show our gratitude to God. When you walked in today, you probably received your communion cup. If you didn't, now's the time to head back to the welcome table and grab one. Or if you're watching online, grab a snack or drink around you to use for your communion today. And as a reminder, it's two poles. There's one tap for the wafer and then the second one for the juice. But in communion, right, it's after the speech that Jesus gave. After the speech that we've been talking about through in John after he said, if you love me, you will keep my commands. That's when he shared this meal with his disciples and he broke the bread. And he said to them, this is my body about to be broken for you. And he compared the juice or the wine to his blood about to be shed on that cross. Because it's after that meal that Jesus was led away by Roman soldiers where he willingly gave his life for us, for all of the sin of the people then and the people now. It's during this meal that he provides us with the gift of life through following him. If we choose to also lay down our lives, to surrender our selfish wants and needs and desires, if we choose to do that, then we too can be made new just as he was three days later. Now, this meal of communion is not something that we do for Jesus. Rather, it reminds us of what Jesus has done for us. It is a time of remembrance, a time to give thanks and gratitude back to God. And I challenge you today, we're gonna do communion a little differently because we're gonna take this first step today, guys, together. We're gonna give God the gratitude and the thanks that he deserves right now in this moment through this act of communion. So as the band plays this next song, I encourage you, I challenge you even, to take this next five minutes or so to take your communion as you feel comfortable, drink your juice and eat your wafer, but then spend the rest of the time surrendering a piece of your heart or your mind or your soul to him today. Take this time to give him the gratitude he deserves. And for some of you, that may look like taking the next step on your journey of faith. For some of you, that might look like confessing something to God that's been pulling you away from him. For some of you, that might look like asking God to hold you accountable to creating space in your heart or in your mind that's been occupied by something else and creating that space for him. Whatever that looks like for you today, I challenge you to take this time as the band plays the song to do that in prayer or in silence and reflection and remembrance of all that he's done to us, for us. I challenge you to be a little less avocado grateful this season and instead to be more inwardly obedient to show God our genuine gratitude and our outward actions will follow. And who knows where that may take us or where that may lead us in this life. I can't wait to see where it takes you. So join me in this time of remembrance now.